Thank you for joining us for this message. Whether you're watching for the first time or simply catching up on a message you've missed, we are so glad that you're connecting with God's Word today. Our hope is that as you listen to the message, you will experience a real encounter with God. Please consider giving financially to support God's work through our ministry. You will find several options to do that by clicking on the word give in the menu on our website at kentwoodcommunitychurch.com. This new heaven will bring forth the relationships as they're supposed to be. Some of you have relationships. Uh, two weeks ago when we did the blessing of the Father, I'm still in the moment of that experience. Over half of you coming up, many of you in tears because of the challenges of broken relationships. And you'll do the best you can to do this thing called reconciliation. But I'm here to declare to you, regardless of how much we fight one day very soon, when there's a new heaven and there's a new earth, those relationships will be back to what they should be. You with me? Society as a whole is struggling right now, right? And things aren't the way they should be. There's injustices all around us. And yet I'm declaring to you, we should still fight for injustice. We should continue on. But one day, Jesus will make everything right. Amen? Amen. And we know that all your aspirations in that moment will make all the difference in the world. So, let me ask you questions today. Number one, do you daily reflect on your own mortality or do you avoid it? If my mom's watching today, she doesn't like talking about this at all. And I talk about it all the time. Especially when I lived many years in the face of death. And I would say to her, Mom, I'm invincible until it's time to go home. Because I'm doing the center of God's will. And I know that he's in control and I'm not in fear. I live my life with that kind of confidence. Do you have that kind of confidence today? That your Abba Daddy, Father, has you right where he needs you, amen? And he's saying, I will take care of you. Number two, do I realize there are only two destinations? There are only two destinations according to the Bible. Next week, we're gonna look at this topic called hell. Everybody believes in heaven. Nobody believes in hell. Let me just tell you something. You can't have one without the other. And without hell, you don't need a cross. And without hell, you don't need Jesus. If it doesn't matter, you need to know today that there are two destinations according to scripture. And number three, do I remind myself daily that this is not my home? It changes everything. What do you mean, pastor? It literally changes every day how I spend my money, it does. It changes how I spend my time. It changes my attitudes towards people where grace abounds. Why am I gonna get so sideways about something that won't matter in the long run, right? When I have attorney, it doesn't matter. Let me conclude with this story and then I'm gonna call you to action. Randy Alcord says this about the story of Florence Chadwick. Florence Chadwick in 1952, she tried to swim the shoreline of California. She had already swum various distances and she had swum for 15 hours in a dreary and cold, foggy day. She was so tired and she couldn't see in front of her at all. She could barely see the boat in front of her. And her mother told her, she said, Florence, you're really, really close. And she was so close, but she gave up. She stopped, she quit. She was later interviewed that she, if she would have known she was only a half mile from finishing it, she would have kept swimming. What's that mean for you and I today? Some of you feel like you're in the middle of a foggy, foggy day and you believe that there is heaven in front of you, but everything inside of you is like it's so far away. It's so distant and you wanna give up. I'm like, I'm like Florence's mother. It's really, really, really close. Trust me, you may not be able to see it because of whatever's happening in your life. If you can't believe it, if your life is so overwhelming, can you trust my perspective from God's word? I do that with people around me all the time. 
Because my perspective goes sideways, and then I go to people that I trust, and I say, help me, because I know I'm sideways right now. That's the beauty of the community, right? And I'm saying to those of you, please hear me. Some of you hearing my voice, and those of you online, you're thinking about quitting. Don't quit. It's a lie from Satan. You're really, really, really close. And together we will have these incredible advantages. And Paul tells, it will be worth it. But while we wait, we will run this race. We will fight this fight together. And then one day very soon, oh, very, very soon, I will cross that line. And when I cross that line, I know who's going to wait for me and anybody with me. Oh, to see that face clearly in that moment. Oh, to know in that moment there's my Jesus. Everything that I have lived for, every ounce of my life from this day forward, to see him first and foremost. And I don't want to hear anything else. I don't want him to tell me how good I did or how bad I did. Uh -uh. I don't know about you, but all I want in that moment is I want his embrace, number one. And the second thing I want to hear him say is, well done, son, enter in. Anybody with me? That's all that I want. So church, please be of courage today. Be of courage. And the Bible says what I just did to you over this sermon. The Bible says when you see the end of days come, encourage one another with these words. And I just did that to you. So here's the application. There's some of you online and some of you in this room who say amen to everything I just said. But right now there's just a massive fear inside of you because you don't know whether you're going. One day you think you are. One day you don't know whether you are. Let me just tell you right now because I care about you. And that is this. You can know 100% where you're going. I stand before you as a humble man that believes with everything that I've got. I know that I know. I know where I'm going. I know who I belong to. And I know who's carrying me there. And you can know the exact same thing. You can know exactly the same thing. And then I already hear what the devil's saying to you. But pastor, you don't know what I did last night. You don't know what I did this past week. You don't know the words I said about that person. You don't know the lie that I did. You don't know the temptation of adultery and all of the stuff. And I'm here to declare to you today, there is a freedom and a gift awaiting you. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what your experience. I'm here to declare to you today, this heaven is not a country club. This heaven is not for just the few. It's not for just the educated. It's not just for the proper. It's not just for those who were religious. This heaven that I'm talking about, Jesus, he clearly, clearly demonstrated it. Do you remember the story? I invited a big, big banquet and all the ones that were supposed to come said, no, we're busy. She said, go out to the highways and the byways and invite everybody that nobody else would invite. And you are welcome at my table. And some of you feel like you're that individual. And I'm saying to you clearly, all you have to do is this. Here's a gift. And he's, the fact that you are sitting here right now, the fact that you are interacting with his spirit, with your spirit, means that he loves you. He is speaking to you right now. And all you have to do is this. You have to say, I, I surrender all my doubts, all my fears. I don't have all the answers, but I surrender right now. I'm tired and I ask you to come into my life. I believe, forgive me, I believe you are the way. That's all you have to do. He did all the work. I'm wondering, that's my first call, who's hearing my voice today says, that's me, and I wanna surrender. And if that would be you, would you just raise your hand? Is there anybody? I wanna get this heaven thing resolved right now. I don't wanna have another day of doubt and fear. Anybody in the building, raise your hand. Yep, I see that hand. I see that hand. Keep them up because you go up and down the place is too big for me to catch your hand. Keep them up. This is one of the biggest decisions you'll make. I see that hand. Can I help you? Can I help you do that? Is that okay? Can the rest of you help us? Can we do this together? 
how do you get this I'm going to, having said that, now I want faith. us to go to God's word. Everything so I just said would, is about faith. I'm going to ask you to stand out of respect for God's word. I'm going to ask you to, um, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Right? Pastor Angela's going to help me out. You will follow her. We're going to start in verse 16, and we're going to read through chapter 5, verse 10. Hear the word of the Lord. This is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed day by day. Verse 17. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things that we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. 5-1. For we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is, when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. We grow weary in our present bodies and we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing. Verse three. For we will put on heavenly bodies we will not be spirits without bodies. And while we live in these bodies, we groan and sigh. But it's not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to put on our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. Verse 5. God himself has prepared for us. And as a guarantee, he has given us his Holy Spirit. So we are now always confident, even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies, we are not at home with the Lord. Verse 7. For we live by believing and not by seeing. Yes, we are fully confident. And we would rather be away from the earthly bodies, for then we will be at home with the Lord. Verse 9. So whether we are here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please him. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or the evil that we have done in this earthly body. Let's pray. And I'm asking today, Lord, that the words of my mouth, meditations of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight. As the prophet Samuel prayed long ago, we pray now. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. And all God's people said, you're gonna have a seat. Pastor Debbie started our series off about the return of Jesus and heaven. You know what? This is going to be a good sermon. Is that okay to say? This is going to be one of those that every preacher would love to preach. I would say to you over the last week, so those aren't sermons that I get up in the morning and say, yay, raw. But today is one of those that I can literally say, yay, raw, too. Have you ever been homesick? Homesick is a powerful emotion. Homesick will allow us to do things that we otherwise would never do. It moves us in ways and makes us think things that we otherwise would never think in that moment when we want to be what we call home. I remember my very first time that I became homesick. I was 21 years old. I was in the country of Colombia in the city of Medellin. We did not have internet. We did not have cell phones. I was disconnected from my home church in my hometown of Marion, Indiana. I was uh, familiar with Latin culture but I'd never been to Colombia, and I was there for three months. I remember shortly after, I went down with a team, and they left, and I stayed. And as I was in this house, this, this kind of a sense of panic overcame me, and I had this incredible desire to want to get home. And if anybody knows my personality, even back when I was 21, when I set my mind on something, I will try to do it. And in my mind, as I'm thinking, I need to get home, I started thinking about how I'm going to get a, a, a taxi, and I was way in the mountains, and how I was going to get down into the, the airport and, and figure out how I was broke by then. I had no money as a college student, but I was going to figure out how I was going to get a one-way ticket back to Indiana. And all of these emotions were coming inside of me, and yet, as I was so overwhelmed, my first time being homesick... All I did was say, okay, let me just take a nap. I took a nap, and I, it helped me to get over this incredibly emotional moment, which led me into a greater moment. Many years later, actually nine years later, when my wife and I packed up our belongings, and we headed to uh, Central Asia. And uh, again, when we went there, there was no internet, or just a little bit of internet, no cell phones, etc. totally disconnected. But this time wasn't three months. This time it's 10 years with two little children. And as we began that, homesickness started to hit yet again. 
And in that homesickness, even though I knew we couldn't come back home, we tried to figure out what are the glimpses of home we could have. I got to confess something, and, and it's a little embarrassing, but we didn't have a lot of movies. We had one little cassette. You remember those things? We had a cassette, and we put it in a, 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 to watch, and we must have watched it, this movie called While You're Sleeping. Some of you are like, I have no idea what that movie is. That's okay. And we watched that movie over and over and over. And I mean, I could say every line of the, uh, of the movie because we were homesick. We wanted something familiar, right? It took place in Chicago and et cetera. And it didn't help a lot, but it helped a little. And finally, when they opened up a McDonald's, and I'm not even a fast food guy, where did we find ourselves often at? McDonald's. And I never attend fast food in the States, but yet here, because it represented home, we found ourselves in a fast food restaurant. Have you ever experienced these kind of things? What wishing and longing for home? Lay in your mind, uh, I would literally, I would literally in my mind begin to close my eyes and think about different parts of home that really brought pleasure, where I would used to run and, and where I would used to engage people. What I want you to realize is that this morning, if you're a, a follower of Jesus Christ, we are homesick, and some of us don't even know that we're homesick. And it's my desire today to actually ho- hopefully bring that out in this talk. Heaven is a topic that is pretty important, don't you think? Do you agree, yes or no? As a matter of fact, we have we, we basically invested our entire life that this is a non-negotiable force. We're putting everything there that heaven is a reality. And yet, I'm kind of amazed that over the years of my life, I've not heard too many messages on the topic of heaven. Are you with me? I mean, they're out there, but not many. So we're taking this opportunity to go there. Now, for sure, we've talked many times about the second return of Jesus. And we jump into all the different uh, 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 views about what it will look like when Jesus comes back. We all agree that he's coming back, but then it becomes a little bit debated as to how that will all play out. We begin to debate whether the church will be raptured or the church won't be raptured. And some of you, that may be new news because you thought that everybody believed that the church will be raptured. That's simply not true. There are other views that would help us to be able to dialogue on that. We look at Well, when Jesus comes back, will there be a literal thousand-year reign? Will the millennial reign be literal, or is it not literal? Will then after that occurs, will Jesus come back, and will there be the final battle of Gog and Magog? It sounds like the Lord of the Rings movie to me if I've never heard one. And we debate all of those things in Scripture. But there's one thing that we don't debate, and that is this thing called heaven. Do you know that for religious and non-religious people alike, that 78% of Americans would say that they believe in heaven and that they're going there? It's like the great boxer Joe Lewis said long ago, everyone wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. And the great Peter Pan said, to die will be an awfully big event. And so here we find ourselves, all of us, whether we like it or not, we all have a terminal illness It's called mortality. And as far as I understand, it's still got a 100% rate of death for everyone. Every three seconds, somebody passes away. 180 people every minute. There will be over 13,500 people will die before this service ends. And if the Bible is true, this very day in the world, over 250,000 people will have one of two destinations as they pass on. David tells us in Psalm 39 clearly that our life is but a breath. The older you get, the more you realize that we're a mist that is here today and gone tomorrow. So you better not ignore it. You better not just stick your head in the sand and say it doesn't exist because it's a reality that Scripture talks about over and over and over again. So the purpose for me to share this series about heaven and about the return of Jesus is that we live in a day in which everything is screaming at us and we're wondering, are we at the end days? Is Jesus coming back? All of these things, and it's my hope, regardless of what happens in the next days, which I cannot um, specifically say will occur, that we we would be a people with our eyes fixed above, that we would truly understand what this is all about. We are homesick, and the reason why we are homesick, my friends, you may not know this, But we are homesick because we, catch this, we were created for something better than this. I'll say it again. 
You and I were created for something better than this. Some of you who are going through the the difficult moment, you're saying, amen. Others of you where life is pretty good, I'm saying what you think is pretty good, you ain't seen nothing yet. We are homesick for something way better than this. So what's the remedy? What's the medicine for homesickness? Let me give you three thoughts this morning. The first that I would share with you is this. Understand where your home is. Number one, understand where your home is. Somebody say, show me, Lord. Say it again, show me, Lord. You will only be content in your home, but you gotta know where your home is. When I describe to you a nation that I visit and I tell you all the details of that nation, it's not until you are there that you can smell it, feel it, experience it, you truly know what I'm talking about. It's the same thing with heaven. We know what scripture declares about heaven. It gives us little snapshots about heaven, but not until we cross over where we really truly understand. In this passage that we read, we see in 2 Corinthians 5, 2, Paul is saying, we grow weary. Anybody weary this morning? We are tired and weary in our present bodies, Paul says, longing to have bodies that are different than this, longing to be in a situation different than what we have. And he's saying it to you and to me to say what you're feeling is to be expected. It's normal to be weary because you were created for something way better than this. And he's asking us to understand where our home is. The heroes of the past in Hebrews chapter 11 Verse six says, they understood this clearly. They understood that they were on a journey. They understood that it was by faith. And what you need to understand is that they said in chapter 11, verse 13, that they considered themselves only as aliens and strangers passing through. Aliens and strangers. Again, living in another culture, living in another land. I understood Hebrews eleven thirteen. No, no matter how long I lived there, I could never speak as, the, as they speak. I could never understand the culture completely. I could never completely fit in because I looked differently than all of them. And as a result, I always, even though they loved me and I had great friendships there, I was an alien and stranger passing through. My friends, you and I should feel the, exactly the same thing. It's kind of like, you remember those, uh, those toys? I don't know if they have them anymore because I don't have good little kids. But that, that little circle thing, and you had all of the different shapes and you tried, to, kids would get them in each of the, the triangle into the triangle and the square and the square. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, it's kind of like when you're an alien and a stranger, you're a triangle and you live in a square world. And you're like, and, and God is saying in scripture, you know, this isn't your home. It's, you're, it's normal for you to feel this way. And by the way, it will change the way you live your life once you understand this. You see, once we realize where our home is, we're willing to understand that we will do things that we otherwise would never do. We will begin to invest in things that are gonna truly matter and count. I'm reminded of John and Betty Stam, one of my heroes of the faith. They were missionaries to China back in the day. And while they were missionaries, the Boxer Rebellion, if you know your history, happened in the country of China. And as they were being drugged to the center of their village, John takes off his shoes and hands it to one of his friends, says, I have no need of these. And why would folks like John and Betty Stan be willing to give their lives for the sake of the gospel to the Chinese brothers and sisters because they knew where their home was and they were willing to say, this is nothing compared to what we're gonna be compared to what we're gonna get. Matter of fact, Paul tells us this. You going through a tough time right now? Are you struggling right now? Paul says this as a source of encouragement. Your current situation, your struggles, it's not even worth comparing to what's coming. It will all be worth it. In that moment, it will all make sense. So keep on keeping on. This is not your home. This is not your home. And when we get home, it's not like the Far Side car- cartoon. I'm gonna talk in the next several weeks because we have a, we have a secular wrong view of heaven. Uh, the, the, the cartoon has a, as, a, as an example of somebody with wings and sitting on a, on a cloud and, and sitting there like a, somebody on a desolate island with the title, I wish I had brought a magazine. I'm here to tell you, declared you today, that whatever you think heaven is, you, if, if it's not what the Bible says, you've totally got it wrong. Our home will be way more than you could ever meet, think, or imagine. 
my key point for this understanding where your home is this. This place that you live in now is not your home. Heaven awaits us with Jesus. My prayer for us is that many of you know that, that as I preach it, it'll come from your head to your heart. It will come from your head to your heart. Let me give you the second medicine for homesickness is understand number one, where your home is. Number two, understand the advantages of being home. Understand the advantages of being home. Somebody say, let's live forever. That was weak. Say it again, let's live forever. And whether you like it or not, you will live forever. In one location or another, you are created by God to live forever. But the decision is where you want to live. This passage that we read, Paul tells us there's some advantages of our home that we're looking for. He says in these verses, first and foremost in 417, that our troubles and our struggles, they're temporary. Is that good news to anybody? They are temporary. He says your momentary problems and struggles are only for a moment. What what he's trying to say is this. Whatever you're going through, there is a beginning and there is an end to it. It will not continue on. That is the truth. You need to understand that. And then what you will see is it will be replaced, your struggle, to eternal glory. You will move from your struggle to eternal glory in 417. That's the first thing you need to understand. The second thing is that your eternal glory, according to 5.1, is that it's forever. It's not temporary as we live now. It is forever made by God. And number three, advantage of your home is that he says in 5.10 is that you will receive rewards. You and I. Do you know there's two judgments, theologians say. The first judgment is the judgment seat of Christ where everyone will actually give an account whether they said yes or no to Jesus. But then there's a second account is the account of what we did for those of us of believers, what we did with the life in Christ. It's not about salvation, but how we lived our lives as a result. Scripture clearly says that. But not only that, my friends, I want to share, you, share with you some other things we get to look forward to of the advantages of being home that you may have not known about, but the Bible clearly tells us. It's not exhaustive, but it gives us a good snapshot of what we got coming. Here's the first thing it tells us, Scripture, about the advantages of home. The first is this. Y'all get new bodies. Anybody excited about some new bodies? Now, this isn't the gospel according to Mick, but the Scriptures. 1 Corinthians 15, 50, he clearly says, When the trumpet calls, at the twinkling of an eye, we will be transformed and changed. What does that mean? That means for all of those who've had faith in Christ who have died before us, that if their body was all crumbled up with cancer or whatever disease, and in that moment when they crossed over, they were transformed in the presence of Jesus. And we know that at the end time that you and I will be granted new bodies. In other words, heaven isn't a bunch of spirits. We will have physical bodies, bodies that are not driven by the curse, bodies that are not a result of sin, Bodies as God meant them, as it was in the Garden of Eden before we walked away. That's what you and I have the privilege to look forward to. Can I get an amen? That's what the advantage of home is. We're going to, number one, have new potties. And I am getting a little bit older each day. And I say louder each day, hallelujah to that. When you're younger, you don't think about it as much. The older you get, you're saying, praise the Lord for a new body. Can I get an amen? Not only that, here it gets even better, we get a custom-built home. We get a custom-built, I've never had a custom-built home, anybody? I mean, I know there's probably people here that have done a really good job of custom-building your home. And as amazing as that may be for you, what I would say to you is that's nothing compared to what Jesus said he's building. He says, I believe it's in John chapter 14, 1 and 3, I'm going to build a home for you with lots and lots of rooms. So it's going to be a big, big house with lots and lots of rooms. I believe there's gonna be a big, big yard where we can play some football and have a barbecue. Anybody with me? This is not the gospel according to Mick. This is biblical truth. Not only will you be granted a new body, you will be given a home. And after you get a home, it gets better. I'm getting a little excited. Once you have your home, the advantage of, there's gonna be a party. Does anybody like me like to have a party? Some of you do. Let me ask again. Is there anybody in the house that truly like to celebrate and have a party? 
Scripture says that once we get our homes, we're going to party like nobody's ever partied before. It says in Revelation chapter 19, it says in Matthew chapter 8, there's going to be a celebration of all celebrations. There's going to be a wedding of all weddings. Whatever wedding you've been to, whatever wedding you've been a part of that you said that's the best of all time, that will be nothing to the party of all parties once we have our new bodies, once we have our new home, once we celebrate the presence of our God. Can I get an amen? Can I go on for a little more advantage? Are you still with me, church? Come on. You got to egg me on because if you don't, it will be dry. But if you egg me on, it may be a little bit anointed. Come on, church. Anybody out there? Not only that, we really need to understand that at the party, you and I will be reunited. We will be reunited with those that have had faith in Jesus who've gone before us. You're already thinking about them, aren't you? You're, the Spirit's already bringing it, whether it's a mom or a dad or a grandma or grandpa or a brother or a sister or, or a dear friend, right? Or a spouse. That Jesus tells us, I think it's in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, that in that moment when Jesus comes back, he will rise, raise the dead with him. And then he will take those of us that are left and together we will meet him in the sky. I'm here to declare to you, not only are we going to have a party amongst ourselves, but all those who've gone before us, who've had faith in Jesus, it will be that moment that we will say, hallelujah, we are reunited for what we need to be. Where is your sting death? It is over with. Can I get an amen? That's what scripture declares. And then while we do this, where we do this, many of us think we're going to be in the clouds, but the scripture declares we'll have a new heaven and a new earth. And as scripture declares that, you can read it in Revelation chapter 21, the earth in which we have will be a new redeemed earth. The earth we currently live on is a cursed earth. Romans chapter 8 says that the, the, earth, the earth groans in eager expectation to be delivered from the curse. And we see it all the time, don't we? With famines, earthquakes, tornadoes, keep naming all the natural disasters. When we have the new earth, there will be no longer any of those curses. We will be like back in Eden where the earth needs to be where it needs to be. And there'll be somehow this interaction between heaven and earth that we will be able to interact, which will be so amazing. We'll have a new earth. But this will all be impacted by the fact of what Revelation 7 says, there is no more sin and there is no more suffering. No more sin and no more suffering. So it's all possible because all of that's taken away. And then together... Here's what most people know, which is true, according to Revelation 5 and 7. There will be extravagant worship. With all of this happening, we'll have a barbecue and then we'll start praising. What do you think? We'll go out on a, a hike and come back and worship. We'll go out and have some responsibility and come back and worship, right? The worship happens because we now see, according to Scripture, but a poor reflection. But one day we will see face to face. I just read this week where Moses, God said, you could not see my face and live. But I'm here to tell you that when eternity becomes a reality for all of us, in that moment, we will see him face to face, and that will cause all of us to have extravagant worship. What does that mean? We will no, argue, no longer argue whether I like gospel or whether I like Hillsong. We will no longer argue whether I like hymns or whether I like drums. We won't argue all of those things. We will together at one voice, one purpose, because the presence of our Father will be there and it will overshadow all of our preferences. And in that moment, I will say hallelujah. You with me? These are advantages according to scripture, not my opinion, but scripture itself, you need to understand that in 1 Corinthians 2, 9 and 10, Paul says, as he quotes Isaiah 64, he says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those whom he loved, but God has revealed it by his spirit. In other words, because we have the spirit, we're gonna be able to know what is before us. And without the spirit, it will be simply impossible. God has shown us a little bit about heaven in scripture, do you know that there's 559 passages about heaven? And yet we don't teach and preach about it and we see it happening every single day before us, people going into, into eternity and we need to understand this is what we're about. We need to first know, know where our home is. Number two, as I've said, we need to know these are the advantages of our home. The key point for the second point is simply this. Let's invest in what lasts. You won't be disappointed. What's gonna last? We know what's gonna last, don't we? There are only two things that will last, my friends, and that will be God's word, I say this many weeks, and you and I. 
Those are the two things that are gonna last. God's word and you and I. Everything else will not last. It's temporary. So if that is true, we, we know where our home is and we know the advantages of home, which gives me my third and final medicine for homesickness, and that is this. Then let's focus on home. What do you say? My third point is let's focus on home. Somebody say, home free. Home free. One more time, home free. To be home free is what it's all about in that moment. Paul tells us in Colossians 3 that we need to seek or set our minds on things above. That's why I'm preaching on it. Paul says, seek or to set your mind on things above. Seek it. Seek these things. The Greek word for seek there is zieto. It's the same word that Jesus used in Luke 19.10. And he said that God zieto or sought the lost when the man, uh, the shepherd lost the sheep, it was the same Greek word where he said the shepherd, Zieto, sought or sought after the lost sheep. It's the same as the man who lost the coin. The same Greek word, he Zieto, he sought and sought after the lost coin. And he's saying to you and I today, I want you to Zieto, to set and seek after your home, which you know is right before you. Focus on these things where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Now the problem is, many of us would say this, well, what you're talking about, Pastor, is pie in the sky. And if you get too heavenly minded, you'll be no earthly good. I stand completely against that philosophy. Because here's what I know to be true from Scripture. If, in fact, you aim for heaven, you will get heaven and earth. But if you aim for earth, you'll get neither. You will get neither. And when we begin to focus on him, here's what I know to be true. We will know what matters the most. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, fix your eyes, not on what is seen, but what is unseen. So the scripture just verifies what I've already said. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Question, friends, where's your focus? Where are you fixing your thoughts on today? Are you looking more at your challenges and your struggles and your titles and all of that, or are you focused on what really matters? Paul tells us in Galatians 6, 7, and 8 that you and I must live to please the Spirit, which is eternal harvest. This is not your cars or your degrees or your trophies or your accomplishments or your business, but every service to the needy, every dollar to the hungry, every investment to the missionaries. There's nothing wrong with that first set, but the reality is the things that are going to last are the things that we really need to put more focus on as followers of Christ. Can I get an Amen. 844 of John says this about Satan, says he is a liar. You know it, right? And he's the father of all lies. He has one goal, and that goal is to get you and me off of our focus. Get you and I thinking and looking down here to the temporary. And how does that work out for you? How's that working out for you? When you're thinking about, oh, if I could just do this, then I'm gonna be fulfilled. And it doesn't happen. And if I could just make this kind of money then, and even if it happens, it still doesn't deliver. The point is, is that Satan wants you and I to only look this way. But I'll say to you, look around here. As beautiful as all of this is, it, will, it won't last. Not one thing will last. And you need to understand that's where we need to go. We need to avoid what the scripture declares, that the God of this age, 2 Corinthians 4, 4, he has blinded unbelievers so that they cannot understand eternity. But I have also watched his lies, according to John 8, to get believers to keep their eyes like this, and as a result, become people of no hope, people of no perspective, people that can't live differently than anybody else. And I'm saying to you today what Colossians 3, 1 says, let's lift up our eyes, what do you say? Let's keep our eyes fixed, because when I do that, then I can love you all more. Because now you value more than anybody else. I will serve better on earth when I have an eternal perspective because I know what really matters in my life. And so we must avoid the science of naturalism, which declares the well, only thing that matters is science and what we can see. There's nothing beyond that. There is no supernatural. There is no spiritual. It's only what we can sense with our senses and what we can deduct from science. That is a lie from the pit of hell. The reality is, is that it's kind of like the, the wicked queen of the Chronicles of Narnia who hated King Aslan in this children's novel and she could get everybody to never believe or imagine beyond their senses then they wouldn't be a threat to them. Satan is doing the exact same thing with you and I. He's trying to get us off our focus. What does Hebrews say? Fix your eyes on whom? Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith. So the key point is simply this. 
whatever has your heart, whatever has your heart has your attention. True or not true? Whatever has your heart has your attention. I want heaven to become more of a reality to me. And I don't want heaven, for many believers, you know how heaven becomes a reality to them? It's when either they're facing death or they have a loved one facing death. What I'm saying to you is let's do it before we face those things. Let's live day to day knowing that every day is a gift because we need to know where our home is, the advantages of our home, and then focus on our home. Does this make sense to anybody? We are homesick today, my friends, because we, we are in a broken system that regardless of where we are, it won't ever deliver. But now we look towards this thing called new heaven and new earth. Brandon, I'm gonna ask you to come on out as I begin to bring this thing to conclusion. This new heaven will bring forth the relationships as they're supposed to be. Some of you have relationships. Uh, two weeks ago when we did the blessing of the Father, I'm still in the moment of that experience. Over half of you coming up, many of you in tears because of the challenges of broken relationships. And you'll do the best you can to do this thing called reconciliation. But I'm here to declare to you, regardless of how much we fight one day very soon, when there's a new heaven and there's a new earth, those relationships will be back to what they should be. You with me? Society as a whole is struggling right now, right? And things aren't the way they should be. There's injustices all around us. And yet I'm declaring to you, we should still fight for injustice and we should continue on. But one day, Jesus will make everything right, amen? amen? And we know that all your aspirations in that moment will make all the difference in the world. So, let me ask you questions today. Number one, do you daily reflect on your own mortality or do you avoid it? If my mom's watching today, she doesn't like talking about this at all. And I talk about it all the time. Especially when I lived many years in the face of death. And I would say to her, mom, I'm invincible until it's time to go home because I'm doing the center of God's will. And I know that he's in control and I'm not in fear. I live my life with that kind of confidence. Do you have that kind of confidence today? That your Abba Daddy, Father, has you right where he needs you, amen? And he's saying, I will take care of you. Number two, do I realize there are only two destinations? There are only two destinations according to the Bible. Next week, we're gonna look at this topic called hell. Everybody believes in heaven. Nobody believes in hell. Let me just tell you something. You can't have one without the other. And without hell, you don't need a cross. And without hell, you don't need Jesus. If it doesn't matter, you need to know today that there are two destinations according to scripture. And number three, do I remind myself daily that this is not my home? It changes everything. What do you mean, Pastor? It literally changes every day how I spend my money. It does. It changes how I spend my time. It changes my attitudes towards people where grace abounds. Why am I gonna get so sideways about something that won't matter in the long run, right? When I have attorney, it doesn't matter. Let me conclude with this story and then I'm gonna call you to action. Randy Alcord says this about the story of Florence Chadwick. Florence Chadwick in 1952, she tried to swim the shoreline of California. She had already swum various distances and she had swum for 15 hours in a dreary and cold foggy day. She was so tired and she couldn't see in front of her at all. She could barely see the boat in front of her. And her mother told her, she said, Florence, you're really, really close. And she was so close, but she gave up. She stopped, she quit. She was later interviewed that she, if she would have known she was only a half mile from finishing it, she would have kept swimming. What's that mean for you and I today? Some of you feel like you're in the middle of a foggy, foggy day. And you believe that there is heaven in front of you, but everything inside of you is like it's so far away. It's so distant and you wanna give up. 
I'm like, I'm like Florence's mother. It's really, really, really close. Trust me. You may not be able to see it because of whatever's happening in your life. If you can't believe it, if your life is so overwhelming, can you trust my perspective from God's word? I do that with people around me all the time. Because my perspective goes sideways and then I go to people that I trust and I say, help me, because I know I'm sideways right now. That's the beauty of the community, right? And I'm saying to those of you, please hear me. Some of you hearing my voice and those of you online, you're thinking about quitting. Don't quit. It's a lie from Satan. You're really, really, really close. And together we will have these incredible advantages and Paul tells, it will be worth it. But while we wait, we will run this race. We will fight this fight together. And then one day very soon, oh, very, very soon, I will cross that line. And when I cross that line, I know who's gonna wait for me and anybody with me. Oh, to see that face clearly in that moment. Oh, to know in that moment, there's my Jesus. Everything that I have lived for, every ounce of my life from this day forward to see him first and foremost. And I don't wanna hear anything else. I don't want him to tell me how good I did or how bad I did. Uh -uh. I don't know about you, but all I want in that moment is I want his embrace, number one. And the second thing I wanna hear him say is, well done, son, enter in. Anybody with me? That's all that I want. So church, please be of courage today. Be of courage. And the Bible says what I just did to you over this sermon. The Bible says when you see the end of days come, encourage one another with these words. And I just did that to you. So here's the application. There's some of you online and some of you in this room who say amen to everything I just said. But right now there's just a massive fear inside of you because you don't know whether you're going. One day you think you are. One day you don't know whether you are. Let me just tell you right now because I care about you. And that is this. You can know 100% where you're going. I stand before you as a humble man that believes with everything that I've got. I know that I know. I know where I'm going. I know who I belong to and I know who's carrying me there. And you can know the exact same thing. You can know exactly the same thing. And then I already hear what the devil's saying to you, but pastor, you don't know what I did last night. You don't know what I did this past week. You don't know the words I said about that person. You don't know the lie that I did. You don't know the temptation of adultery and all of this stuff. And I'm here to declare to you today, there is a freedom and a gift awaiting you. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what your experience. I'm here to declare to you today, this heaven is not a country club. This heaven is not for just the few. It's not for just the educated. It's not just for the proper. It's not just for those who were religious. This heaven that I'm talking about, Jesus, he clearly, clearly demonstrated it. Do you remember the story? I invited a big, big banquet and all the ones that were supposed to come said, no, we're busy. She said, go out to the highways and the byways and invite everybody that nobody else would invite. And you are welcome at my table. And some of you feel like you're that individual. And I'm saying to you clearly, all you have to do is this. Here's a gift. And he's, the fact that you are sitting here right now, the fact that you are interacting with his spirit, with your spirit, means that he loves you. He is speaking to you right now. And all you have to do is this. You have to say, I, I surrender all my doubts, all my fears. I don't have all the answers, but I surrender right now. I'm tired and I ask you to come into my life. I believe, forgive me, I believe you are the way. That's all you have to do. He did all the work. I'm wondering, that's my first call, who's hearing my voice today says, that's me and I wanna surrender. And if that would be you, would you just raise your hand? Is there anybody? I wanna get this heaven thing resolved right now. I don't wanna have another day of doubt and fear. Anybody in the building, raise your hand. Yep, I see that hand. I see that hand. Keep them up because you go up and down. The place is too big for me to catch your hand. 
Keep them up. This is one of the biggest decisions you'll make. I see that hand. Can I help you? Can I help you do that? Is it okay? Can the rest of you help us? Can we do this together? How do you get this gift? It's by faith. Everything I just said is about faith, is it not? And he says, blessed are those of us who believe even though we can't see now, right? The only proof I can give to you what I'm saying is true. The only proof I have for you is what he's done for me and how it's changed me. That's why I stand on the stage week in and week out because I believe this with everything I have and I want you to have it too. No more doubts, no more fears. Be free, home free. Would you bow your heads? And if you, I ask Christians to repeat with me and for those for the first time, would you repeat after me, Lord Jesus, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I believe you are the son of God. Come into my life. Take control. I'm yours in this moment. In Jesus' name. Look up this way. Wow, there's some people today, and I'm sure online if you made that decision, please talk to our host, who just now went from doubt to a big, big house. My last thing before we go into worship is this. This is to believers. This is to you believers. And you say, Pastor, I've known all this stuff my entire life, but my vision has been this way. And I've been overcome with all of the cares of the world and I've missed it. And now the Holy Spirit is speaking to me. I need to get eternally focused. I need some priorities in my life to change. I need to focus on what really, really matters. I need to be the hands and feet of Jesus and begin to share this truth about heaven with people that don't know this truth yet. I need to be encouraged and fix my eyes on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. I know it to be intellectually true, but today I want it to be true in my heart so that I can be the man or woman that God wants me to be. And if that is you, would you raise your hands? Yes, keep them up. I wanna be, have an eternal perspective. Come on, there's more than a few of you. Believers, I want eternal perspective. I see it all over the place. Lord Jesus, you see these hands right now and you know their hearts. And I pray that you would change their heart in such a way that they could see and experience you in a powerful way from this moment forward. Would you give them what they need? Would you truly bless them that they could have your focus knowing the advantages of heaven, especially in a time where we are on a very difficult moment. And I commit them to you and I put them into your hands. It's in the mighty name of Jesus that I'm praying for these individuals and trusting you for how you're going to work in their lives. Do the, do the amazing in their life. In Jesus' name, amen.